Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. I'd like to welcome everyone, especially if you are a guest with us, and especially, especially if you are a first-time guest, we have been waiting for you. And if you had to pick, or if I had to pick, what series I would want you to come during the middle of, this is the one. Uh, without a doubt, my, my favorite series so far, The Healer. And what's interesting about it is Jesus is our healer, and Jesus is the doctor. And, and as I come up here, one of the things that I struggle with is I don't like going to the doctor I don't necessarily like walking on stage and seeing this stuff because it reminds me of going to the doctor, which I try to avoid. And so when this was a number of years ago, this was probably maybe 14 years ago, 13 years ago. You see, when I became a pastor, at first I started a congregation and uh, I was very high energy, very motivated and Right after it was, we were about six years old is when we decided to build a building. And that's what we did. And after we had that building, we were focused on that. And we, we were just laser focused on that building. And then once we built the building, I had an office that was outside of my house. And I loved that. But there was only one problem. I, I was going through some health issues. And one of the health issues that I had that was, I just couldn't figure out is every day, at about 11 o'clock, I felt so bad that, that I, I would be like close to coma in my office. And I, it was bad because sometimes that happens like when I'm reading and I can't stay awake. That, that happens all the time. And, and so I just have to, you know, walk around and I can wake up. But this was so bad that if someone would come in my office and be talking to me, I couldn't keep my eyes open. And that, to me, was a huge red flag that something's got to be wrong. So I went to the doctor. I hadn't been to the doctor, I don't know, probably in eight, nine years at least. And, and so I didn't even have a doctor. So, so it's one of those where I have to call and you don't have a doctor. We'll get something set up, blah, blah, blah. So anyways, I went into the doctor and... I said, I have this problem at 11 o'clock every day. I just, I feel so bad. I don't know why. And it's just something I'm worried about. I'm hoping I can maybe get some type of medication to help with this. And so the first question he asked me was, what do you have for breakfast? And I said, that's easy. I have a 20-ounce Mountain Dew and a honey bun. That's what I have for breakfast. And he looks at me and he's like, are you kidding me? You have that every day for breakfast? I said, no, actually, some days I have 20-ounce Mountain Dew and Doritos if I don't have any honey buns at home. And, and he's like, he gave me that look like, you are a total idiot. It was like a, a mixture of horror and disgust. And, and he said, and, and you are seriously here wondering why at 11 o'clock you feel bad? I'm like, I never thought of that. I, and I told him, I said... Since I've been 16 years old, I have had a 20-ounce Mountain Dew and a honey bun for breakfast. And he said to me, you are not 16 years old anymore. And uh, you need to change your diet. And, and, 
And you need to understand that that's got to happen and, and it will take care of this problem you're having. So I tried it for two days. And after two days, I had such bad headaches uh, from, from this change in diet. And then I called and I'm like, I feel worse now than I did before, except now I feel bad all the time. And he said, you got to give it a week. You got to clean your system out a little bit. And once you do that, things will start to stabilize. And thank God they did. And ever since then, especially my mornings, my mornings and what I eat in the morning, I'm, I'm very faithful to eating things that are healthy. And, and, and so this is what I realized with going to the doctor. And, and this is the type of person I am with the doctor. I only go to the doctor when I feel bad. And what I want when I go to the doctor is for him to do something to make me feel better. And, and in this situation, again, it, I think we understand, or at least I understand at this point in my life, that what needed to happen with my habits and the things that I was doing, I never made the connection between what I was doing in my life and why it made me feel bad at a time that was later on. It wasn't like immediately when I ate the the honey bun and drank the Mountain Dew that I felt bad. Actually, when I, I did that, I felt pretty good and pretty energized. It's simply over time, once that went through my system, that I felt bad. The same is true as, as we come to Jesus as our healer. There are times, and, and, and maybe today is one of those times for you, that you tend to go by Jesus and, and you tend to come to church when you're feeling bad. And you come here and you want to feel better. But instead of maybe a pill, what you want from the pastor is a passage. Okay? That's what I want. I want you to give me a message from God that is going to make me leave this place and feel better. I have some bad news for you today if that's what you're expecting. Because there are times when a message that that Jeff or I might share with you that two days from now might actually make you feel worse. But that doesn't mean that you're not on the path to getting better. And, and you see, that's what God does is, is as he shares the message, as Jesus shares a message with us of law and gospel, of, of, of law, the, that points out our sin and our need for a Savior, sometimes that can be a bitter pill to swallow. And it hurts because we are under the microscope and, and, and our faults and, and, and those not just bad habits, but let's call them what they are. They, they're sins. They, they are behavior that, that hurt us spiritually, that God points out specifically in our lives. That when we are exposed with those we realize that we've been doing it since we're 16 years old. I've been doing it for the last 16 years, and I felt fine, Pastor. Except over time, sin has a way of, of getting into our lives, and, and, and over a long period of time, it does take us down until one day we are six, standing before our God, wondering what in the world went wrong. The good news is, is today that Jesus comes to us as the healer, and what he shows us is how we can change our habits that as we, we live our lives as Christians, 
To see that, the way that I like to say it is that living the Christian life is its own reward. Meaning that as we live for Christ and, and as we change and as the medicine of God's word takes effect on our hearts, it, it changes our habits, but it, but it also then begins to change our health. And we will see that today as we look into God's word. But what I would like to do as we start is, is we have, Jeff and I have done this in this series. We've done this at the end of the message, but I want to do it at the beginning today. And what I'd like to do is to summarize what we've learned so far in the Healer series. And, and as we go down, it spells the word resilient because that's what, what Jesus makes us is resilient. And, and so the first one is the R is rest in Jesus and his care. So as we go through this, the first thing that we recognize is that Jesus is the healer. So as we go to a doctor, uh, again, when I wasn't feeling good, I had to go find a doctor. Which one do I want to go see? That spiritually we know Jesus is the place that we start. The second one is the E, expose the opportunity. And that is that, that as we go through life with spiritual problems that we have to admit that we need help. That if you think that you are going to start feeling better, that you are going to address the issues of, of, of sin and, and the problems they've caused in your life without God, you are in serious trouble and you will never be healthy. So again, for each of us here today to, to go to the Lord and say, Lord, we need your help. We cannot do this alone. Our lives are unmanageable. We can't do this alone. The next one is seek God's presence and power. And this is where I ran out, I'll be honest, I ran out of room on my sheet. So I just put God is willing to help. When I really wanted to put God is willing and able to help. And, and in that message is when I had the privilege of preaching is I, rem- I reminded us of, of God's deity, the fact that he's God, that Jesus is God and man. And so the fact that Jesus is God reminds us that he is able to help. The fact that he is man, that he came into this world, reminded us that he's willing to help. That's why he came. He is here to help. No matter what your problem, God is able and willing to help you. The next one, imagine letting go of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. That imagine part, that is when Pastor Jeske preached and, and said the words of, of Paul in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so as we start to think of our lives with these hurts, that to say what's it, what's it even look like when I leave these things in the past, what does it look like for me to be spiritually healthy and understand that is something I can be? Last week was Pastor Jeff, live transparently that we confess the wrongs that we have done, that, that not just in a general way of, you know, I, I know I've sinned and I know I'm a sinner, but as we look specifically at our lives, as God's law works at us, to specifically say, I was wrong. To be able to look at my wife and to say, I am sorry and I have been wrong that I have not loved you like Christ loved the church. And, and, and I apologize for that. That I, that I have been wrong, that, that it, with the times that I've tried to rationalize my sin or blame you or say it started with you, that was wrong because I have been wrong. That I don't minimize it's not that big a deal. Sin is a big deal. 
And, and so we go and we confess that to ourselves. We confess it to our God. And we confess it to people that we have heard in our lives. And then this message. And, and this is the one, in, invite Jesus to change my habits. And, and as we look at this, this is one of the things that, as I speak to you today, I, I speak to you as a Christian who continues to have issues with sin that I really wonder down deep if I can change. I want to. There are so many things I want to change about my life. I can't even begin to tell you. And so as we look at this changing my habits, the question is, Lord, is this really possible? And so as we go through this progression of God is willing and able to help, and as I confess my sin, today is just a a message I'm excited to share with you today. So where we are going to go, uh, we're going to go, last week, uh, Jeff was in 1 John chapter 1 through chapter 2, verse 2, and he preached like half of my message, so this one will be shorter this week. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, so we go to uh, 1 John 2, verses 3 to 6, and I will read that right now. It says, we know that we have come to know him, namely Jesus, if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. This is a huge point, and it's a point where we need to start. Remember, it's John is dealing with Gnostics, right? So an agnostic is a person who says, I don't know if there's a God. A Gnostic is a person who says, I do know. I have this figured out. So Gnostic is a Greek word which means to know. And so as he was writing, he was writing to individuals who would say, I know. I have this all figured out. And it, and it was a knowledge that was in their heads. And, and so they made this division between the things that they knew and the things that they did. They made the separation between their bodies, which they said were sinful, and their minds, which they said were holy. And so they would have this knowledge of what was right, but then in their lives they would do whatever they would want. They would gratify the desires of their sinful nature. And John was writing to them and said, no, that's not the way it works. And and as we think about that today, it it would be like me reading the label for Mountain Dew, the nutrition label. That's like an oxymoron, a nutrition label for a Mountain Dew or a nutrition label for a honey bun. Uh, That as you look at that, that would be like me saying, great, now I know what I'm eating or I know what's healthy but I get to eat whatever I want. That's, like, that's crazy to think that way, that, that those two are, are connected, that you not only need to know what is healthy, but then you need to follow through by eating it as well. And in the same way, that as we look at our lives, and, and for you here today, I, I see this as a pastor often, and that is people who will say to me things like, Pastor, I am spiritual, or I do know Jesus, or maybe even they'll say, I believe that Jesus has taken away my sin. But then they will be living in a way that they know is sinful and wrong. 
And, and, and where it leaves me is, okay, I'll say I'm not, in a, I'm not Jesus and I'm not in a position to judge, right? But as you look at that, John is right into these people and he's saying that, that when you are saying one thing and saying, I believe this, but then you're living a different reality in your life, I'll use John's word. If you think you can live that way, you are a liar. Your life is a lie. You are living a lie. But instead, he says, what needs to happen is that what you know, what this knowledge that you have, is something that you need to also follow in your life. And that is what God's children do. Later, he says this. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. Whew, that makes me feel a whole lot better because I don't hate anyone. Damn, pastor, I don't hate people. And, and as, you don't hate people too. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, if, if you raise your hand today, if you hate someone, that, that, that is not the way we think. When we think of the word hate, we, we usually put the word crimes with it. Like if you commit a hate crime, oh, those are like the worst crimes. Those are ones where, you know, take them right out. Let's, uh, we like the death penalty for people like that because they're hate crimes. And so what, what you probably do is what I do. There are people I love, and there's nobody I hate. And then there's those in the middle that I'm kind of indifferent about. Okay, so maybe this would help you better. NFL, right? We love the Cardinals. We hate the 49ers. And then Seahawks maybe this year too. And everyone else in the division. Unless we beat them. And then there are all the other teams that... And the Packers we hate. But, the, <laughs> but then there are the teams in the middle that, seriously, how do you feel about the Jacksonville Jaguars? I don't care. As long as when we play them, we beat them. That's what I want. And, and so that is the way that we think, is that we, we love certain people. We don't even like to use the word hate, so everyone else is in the middle. The problem is this. You remember... When someone came to Jesus and they asked him, what is the first and greatest commandment? Do you remember what he said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. And the second commandment is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Here's the deal, though. Okay, we understand those are the commandments. But do you think that when you disobey the first commandment by having other gods... You think God looks at and, and says, oh, he, they're just indifferent towards me. They don't hate me by having other gods. No, God looks at that and in and, and, and God's, it's, it's love or hate. It's not in the middle. It's not kind of both. It's one or the other. And so when you commit a sin that as God looks at it, it is hatred towards God. And in the same way, with, with commandments 4 through 10 that deal with everything from those in authority to the gift of life and how you treat people, to marriage, uh, to possessions, to reputation, and what goes on in your mind, 
that, that God looks at this way. It's loving your neighbor when you keep the commandments. But it's hating them when you don't. Think about that with sin. If this was a situation with the sixth commandment with adultery, how do you think my wife would feel if I said, honey, it's, it's not that I, I just don't love you anymore. I don't hate you. And that's why I'm, I'm going and, and I'm having an affair. I think she would hate me and, and, and have reason to. And so as we look at that, that's the important part of this. And this is why I say that, because the first passage had me feeling pretty self-righteous. And it had me saying, you know what, I don't have a dual life where I say one thing and I live another. But this one, as I look at it, the question really is, Dan, are you without sin? And the answer to that, based on last week's message, is no. I'm not without sin. And so I live this dual life where I, I, I say I love God and I say I love those around me. I say I love all people, but there are, whenever I sin, I, I show a different reality. And what John is saying is that needs to change. And so in the blank, you can write, those who come into a relationship with Christ will experience life change. Coming into a relationship with Jesus is a life-changing experience. And and (laughs) read the Bible through this lens. And and especially if you want to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, I encourage you to, to read through and say, how did this person's life change after they met Jesus? The Pharisees? And the teachers of the law, the the religious leaders of the day, their lives did not change at all. Neither did their hearts. But then you have other individuals where Zacchaeus, remember, he's the wealthy tax collector. I like him because he was short. He had to go up into the the tree to see Jesus. And that day when he met Jesus, it was life-changing. It was like, this is crazy. His relationship with money changed completely. If I've stolen everything, I'm going to pay him back five times. I'm, this is life-changing, Jesus. Just meeting you makes my relationship with money change. An adulterous woman, when, when Jesus dealt with her, we remember the, the part where Jesus said, remember, you who are without sin, throw the first stone. We remember that. But then do you remember when, when she left what he said? Go and sin no more. Life-changing. And as we look at it, the disciples, they followed Jesus for three years. And we know that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, they all fled and they ran away. And on Good Friday, they were there maybe watching from a distance. But then in the book of Acts, when these disciples were arrested, it changed. And they couldn't believe the boldness. The Sanhedrin, the judging body of the day, saw them. And they couldn't believe how much they had changed. And one of my favorite verses, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And why did they take note of that? Because they changed. They were like not the way they used to be before they knew Jesus. And I don't know about you, but, it, but as I read this and, and have a relationship with Jesus, it excites me because I want to change. So how do we do it? The next verses, 1 John 2, verse 12 to 14. These are the keys that, that John gives these individuals for the beginning of change. 
listen closely because this is the key to this message. I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Where is the power for change going to come in in your lives? It's going to come from the relationship that you have with the doctor, with the healer, with Jesus Christ. And in the blank, you can write, the start of change comes from an understanding of my identity in Jesus. Last week, Jeff's message was very good uh, with the, the whole idea of living transparently and, and living transparently and confessing your sins. And probably one of the most powerful places that I see living transparently is in our recovery ministry. Uh, Saturday nights have become my favorite day of the week and, and favorite night of the week at Crosswalk. Uh, because of the, the individuals who are there, it is they are open and honest and they struggle with sin and they turn to Jesus for forgiveness. It's phenomenal. Not that everyone else doesn't, but this this one is, is one where I have the opportunity to, to confess that with them. And, and here's the, the issue that I have, though, and, and follow me here for a moment. One of the things that we do when we start is we say our name and then the reason why we are there. And so maybe you've seen movies of this, uh, like an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, right? My name's Dan, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Dan. You know, everyone's, and that's how it starts. And it almost becomes kind of a, uh, you know, that as you watch the movie, it's, it's maybe even you laugh a little bit, right? But when you get in a, a setting like that we have, and individuals stand up, or, well, not stand up, but they're sitting there around a table, and we say our name, and then what we're struggling with. And to have a person say, my name is Dan, I'm an alcoholic. My name is Dan, and, and I'm a drug addict. My name is Dan, and I have a problem with pornography. My name is Dan, and, and this is what I say. I have a problem with things that go into my mouth and things that come out of my mouth. Uh, and, 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 and we do that, and that's the way we start. That is 100% true, but not completely true. Because it is 100% true that I am Dan and I am a sinner, and I can give you specifics of the wrong that I've done, but that is not who I am. I am Dan Salofra, someone who has been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. I have been forgiven. There is a place reserved for me, and by the way, for you as well, in heaven. And that's who I am. And the reason why I, I think this is important is because if I say I'm Dan and then I, I am able to confess my sin, 
That will do a lot of things for me, but it won't change me. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ changes my heart. And only the gospel of Jesus Christ will change yours as well. Let's go to the next, the next part, because this is where it really gets the life change happens. Titus 2, 11 and 12 says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. It teaches us to say yes to God, notice and yes to God. One of the places that I first learned this was not from this passage. It, really, where I learned this first was from Dave Ramsey. And, and it, it, was a, it, was like a, it's, was a, it was like a light went on in Financial Peace University as I watched the video of Dave Ramsey when he said the most important thing, if you want to get your finances under control, is to learn to tell yourself no. You know what, Dan? You, you think, you know, I work hard. I should be able to go get a Mountain Dew and a honey bun every morning for breakfast. No, Dan, that's not accurate. That's a lie you believe, and you have to tell yourself no. And, and so with finances, it was the same way. Well, we deserve to go out at, at night because we work hard. No, you don't, because you don't have enough money, so you tell yourself no. And in the same way that, that we can do that spiritually, that this, this is something I really want. And, and this is something that will make me feel good. No. And, and, and notice, this isn't saying that God tells you no, which he does. But when you take the step that you know God's word and your relationship with God, that you can tell yourself no. And I would encourage you at times, if you are struggling with a sin, say it out loud. No. Stop it already. To yourself, no, this is not who I am, and this is not what I do. And then you also have the opportunity to say yes, yes to what God does want you to do. The next one, uh, from Second Timothy 1, verse 7, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's the promise, is that relationship with God. And so in the blank, you can write this. Our power to change comes directly from God. Our power to change comes directly from God. Sorry, there's a second fill-in. And that is, that does not mean that it is easy. I'm the hardest person I know to say no to, for me to say no to. And, and, it's, and it's a struggle, and it's hard, but it, but it comes with our relationship with Jesus. And the next verses are, are important because it gives us a deeper window, and we can see even more clearly into how this works. Hold it, I want to stop for a second first, and, and just let that verse, that spirit of self-discipline teaches us to say no, because I think this is important. I have been trying to make changes in my life with willpower, okay? And, and there are things that I have pretty good willpower over and things that I don't have very good willpower over. But this is how I know that I'm relying on willpower and not God power. When I am relying on willpower, this is what I do. I do it and do it and do it and do it and then binge. 
That, that is the way that I do it because my willpower is so good for a certain period of time. And then once my willpower is, is gone, it's completely gone. And, and, then, and then I tend to binge in that sin. And then like the next day, I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I do? I will never do that again. I have now, I am, I am galvanized in the way that I feel about this. This will not happen again. And then I hold on, hold on, hold on and do it. That's not God power. That's willpower. And willpower has its limits, its limitations. Some have more than others, but none lasts forever. And so what does this look like when we go from willpower to God power? And this is uh, Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Been there, done that. Grown weary, lost heart. Didn't think my habits could ever change. I stink. I'm horrible. I'm stuck and mired in this sin. I can't change. People around me looking at me saying he's never going to change. But that's not what Christ has called me to be, and it's not what he called you to be either. And so in the blank, write this, focusing on Christ gives me both direction and perseverance. Gives me both direction and perseverance. This is how we begin to change. First of all, he gives me direction. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, right? That, that's what he tells us to do. When I think of that, I think of when my grandpa used to take me fishing on Lake Michigan. And he had just this really little boat. And some days, like when it was calm, it was awesome. And then the other days, there were waves that would be six foot plus, And we would go in these swells. And, and you wouldn't even, all you would be able to see was sky. I mean, you, you could not see uh, the shore at all. And we were in this little boat. And of course, I don't even know if he had life jackets, but I know I never wore one. It's just like unbelievable. And, and so anyways, my, my grandpa would take me fishing because he's a, he's a great grandpa, right? He, he's just a good guy. No, he would want me there so I could drive so he could uh, catch the fish. That's what he did. And, and so what he would do is he, would, he had this uh, compass on the front of the boat. I, I still remember it. It was uh, one that was kind of a dome uh, compass. And, and what he would do is he would get me up in the front of the boat, and, and he would say, you need to keep the compass heading on north-northwest, which is this one right there. So, so that's how I want you going with the boat, okay? And you're like, okay, Grandpa, that's, that's great. The problem is, is you're in this little boat on Lake Michigan with these huge waves. And so, you know, I'd be <laughs> a little kid holding onto that wheel really tight, looking at that, that compass, and all of a sudden a wave would hit, and you'd be heading 
complete opposite direction. So, of course, you, you go back as far as you can, then you're, you're going the other way in waves, and you're going back and forth. And for this compass heading that, that should be straight, that, that the, the boat traveled probably more like this. And then what even made it worse is at times where we ever caught a fish, well, then I would turn around and it would be me watching my grandpa catch fish. And then it would, well, yeah, keep this G rated, but uh, grandpa wasn't very happy with me because I wasn't watching where we're going at all. And lines would be tangled and we're heading the wrong direction. And, and I'll just say, he got me back on the compass heading. How's that? Heading in the right direction. You see, as we live our lives, this is the thing is the direction we have. There is one person who has faced true north and walked it perfectly his entire life. And that was Jesus Christ. And he is your healer and he is your savior. And he has taken away your sin. And now in our lives, he, he points us also towards him, towards our savior. That's where we're going is heaven. But as we go, sin, and, and not only in our lives, but sin around us, it's beating us and it batters us constantly. And, and so it, it seems like life is constant adjustments, constantly going back. And now how do we do that? What is the way that I, 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 that I need to go back on my compass setting? Daily sorrow and repentance over sin. Confessing my sin and turning to Jesus for forgiveness. How do I keep my eyes fixed on Jesus? I have develop good habits here at Crosswalk of, of doing my soap journals every day and my Bible reading, that we do that as a staff, that is very helpful. Another way that is very helpful for keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus, Tom Navarro, what do you think it would be? Thank you. Growth groups, they do. And this is why. This is why growth groups help me as well. Because I am a very relational person. And as Jesus' disciples, literally, as they lived their lives, were able to keep their eyes focused on Jesus, they were able to do it together as they watched him. And we do that together. We have this privilege of meeting together in groups. And, and what happens, even though I write the questions, and even though I write the answers, that when I go to a growth group of a class that I've written, I learn from those who are there, from their experience and their relationship with Christ, and they keep me focused on Jesus. It's amazing how, what that does to keep me focused on Jesus. And so I tell you that as you look at changing your habits, if you think you are going to change your habits without focusing on Jesus and his word, good luck, because you will succeed for a period of time through your own willpower but you are not plugging into the power that Jesus offers. And when you do, what it gives you is the second part, that perseverance, that perseverance to keep moving forward through Jesus Christ. I would like to tell you that I have it all figured out, that I have learned how to change my habits completely, and this is the finished product. But it's not. And what Christ has made me is not perfect. But what he has made me to a greater degree now than I was three years ago is resilient. I still get squeezed. I still get pulled apart. I still have things in life that pressure me. 
but, but going back to the shape that he has made me to be his child, that is what he continues to do as I keep focused on him and he does the same for you. And that's our, our, our last fill in resilient. I'm not easily damaged when hit stretched or squeezed. I will bounce back to my God-designed shape. Resilience comes through Jesus Christ and the power that he gives. And, and the passage that I would like you to, to remember to put up on your fridge this week, Titus 2, verses 11 and 12, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people, to all people, and you're one of them. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in this present age. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that, that you have come into this world, that you have lived perfectly for us, and, and we come to you today and, and we ask for your help. Because like when I go to the doctor, I, I usually go when I'm hurting, uh, when, when I need some type of change. And so, Lord, help us to see, first of all, the healing that you have given us by giving, giving your life on the cross and to know that we can stand before you with a new identity washed in your blood. But now, Lord, help us to also understand that, that you've done that, but you also want us to change, that, that having a relationship with you is a life-changing experience. And so, Lord Jesus, help us to fix our eyes on you, and as we do that, to go back to you again and again and again for forgiveness and strength to live our lives every day. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you want more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, just go online to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at 9 and 11 a.m. at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline. Visit our website for directions. And now, back to some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. What a great message then on God is able and willing. Uh, to bring about the change in your life. And, and so as you go from this place, know that you are not going alone and go with the Lord's blessing as well. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. God bless you on your day.